be here again. Great to be with you. I, um, it's great is uh, YouTube, isn't it? So I, I watched the uh, Heart of the House service last week. I thought, I'm, I'm speaking this Sunday. I need to kind of build on and follow on from what was last week. So I sort of skimmed through it. Man, the work that went into that was phenomenal. From the media guys and just the thought. And uh, I so identify with what Dave said. When we're pastoring churches and we're in the sort of the day-to-day of reaching people and helping people and discipling people, you forget so quickly. So it's good to stop every now and again, just look back, reflect and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the money that we had. Thank you for the people that we had. Thank you for the ideas you gave us. Just to give thanks to God, celebrate, and then sow a seed into the future like you've done is awesome. To say, we're here for the long haul. And here's our token of our sowing, because in, uh, in Matthew 6.21, Jesus said that your treasure is where your heart is. And if you have a heart for the house, then your treasure is in the house. And that's what happened. So I love it. And I want to share some things with you that kind of build on that thought. Um, we're going to start by looking at the scripture together. So if you've got your Bibles or your phones, whatever you use for your scripture, uh, turn to Ephesians 2 with me. We're going to read a passage which, it's what the Apostle Paul does. The Apostle Paul teaches about how to be church and how to build church. But nowhere in his teaching does he ever give us a how-to scripture. He doesn't say, um, you know, the church is this or this is how you do it. Do it this way and you'll all be sorted. What God in his wisdom does through Paul in these letters is he gives us pictures. And he says, just kind of be, be like a body. You know, be like a flock of sheep with a good shepherd. And pictures that, that transcend all nations and nationalities. They work everywhere on the planet. God gave pictures to help us understand how to be the people of God in our generation. And this passage, actually, he manages to squeeze three of those pictures into these verses we're going to read. Uh, we'll jump in at verse 19. See if you can spot the three. He says, consequently... You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Citizens with God's people. And also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Love passages like this because they, they, they bring pictures to mind. I hope you spotted the three. He says we are citizens with God's people. Did you know that once you became a Christ follower, you became a citizen of a different place? I know you love whales and all that. But you're not citizens of Wales anymore. You're citizens of heaven. And actually, your, your time spent here is as an exile. You're on your way back to your real country. Your real, and the idea is that you represent your real country, which is heaven, for a little while while you're here. And you do your best to bring a little bit of heaven to Wales and to Newport in the time you're here, because we're citizens, we've got another loyalty, a whole set of issues 
and pictures tumble out of that. He says, you're citizens and also members of his household. So not just a bog-standard citizen, you're one of God's kids, part of his household, one of his family. He's your heavenly father. You've got brothers and sisters. And suddenly there's another image in your mind which is supposed to characterize who we are as the people of God. And then it rolls it on and says, in him, the whole building is joined together. And you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And suddenly, your mind's in another picture, which basically says every single one of us are like stones. Peter describes us as living stones, being built together. And as we build our community lives together in an awesome way, God's pleased to dwell in it by his Holy Spirit. And there's, there's all these pictures. And that's how God teaches us how to build church. He says, come on, guys. Be citizens from another place. That informs the way you live. He says, come on, guys. Be a family. Be of the family of God. Come on, guys. Be a building. Build a building in which I can dwell by the Holy Spirit. And it's all aspects of how we're supposed to do our community life together. So based on those verses, we're a family of heavenly citizens, right? Being built together to be a house in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. And you did your heart for the house offering last week. So I today want to talk about what I believe is one of our primary tasks. And that is we have to make this house a home. We have to make this house a home. You know, a home is different to a house. Home is just something you're living. But a home has got atmosphere and character. It's got values and it's where you kick your shoes off and slob on the settee. Uh, it's where you open your heart and have guests in. It's where you share the essence of, of who you are. I think every local church, essentially, has got to be a family, build a house with our shared lives in which God dwells, and make that house into a home. I don't just want a home. Sorry, a house. I want a home. All, all that wonderful warmth and connectivity and, and stuff that goes with that picture. So today I'm going to talk to you about how to make God's house a home. And in particular, this house. Your home. As I thought about this, I've realized there's, there's kind of two responsibilities that we have to connect with. There's an individual one. And there's a corporate shared one. And I want to just say a little bit about both those two things. Because you see, before this house can be a home, you have to make it home. Personally. And nobody else can do that for you. You have to make it home. Then once you have made it home, with the other homemakers, you have to make sure everything stays homely. So there's a personal responsibility and a shared one. So let's think about the, the personal one just to, to start with. As I said in that scripture, we also have this picture of us being citizens of another place. And <coughs> we're very aware our destination is heaven, aren't we? That's the end game. We're on our way to heaven. But along the way of your pilgrimage back to heaven, 
you've got to put your roots down somewhere. You've got to stop somewhere. You've got to make somewhere home on the way to the ultimate destination. If you don't, you're forever wondering, forever sort of moving on, not settling, unsettled. Unless you settle and put roots down, you don't build anything. If you think about that building image of being church, that means staying put for a while, digging foundations, getting some roots down, building things together, which takes time. I think that the church is supposed to be the nearest thing to heaven on earth. Because we're citizens of heaven, right? So we live by heaven's values, heaven's ways. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're saying, your, will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're pulling heaven down, trying to live that through our lives. And as we f- to, to do that well, it means I've got to stay still long enough and call somewhere home, even though my ultimate home is heaven. I think Abraham illustrates it. Look at Hebrews 11 with me. Uh, This is a great chapter of of faith in the New Testament, reflecting back on the heroes of the faith. And it says in verse 8, By faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. And there's a sense in which you have no idea where you're going. You know you're going to heaven. You know it's going to be good, but it's like, what will it be like? How awesome will it be? There's a, there's a, you stepped out on a faith journey with Jesus. Then it says in verse 9, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. A bit like we do in this world. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was on his way to that heavenly city, but on the way to it, he pitched his tent somewhere and made his home in the promised land. And I would suggest to you, some Christians never settle, never become fruitful, never really find the blessing that God wants to them because they never stop and pitch the tent. Interesting, he says they pitched it in the promised land. That there is a promised land for you. There's a sphere, there's a, there's a set of relationships, there's a place, there's a local church family where you've got to pitch your tent and say, this is my home on the way to heaven. Yeah, I'm an exile, I'm passing through. I'm on my way to my ultimate destination, which is that heavenly city, but I've got to pitch my tent. So, my question is, How do you make this house into your home? Four things that you have to do. Firstly, you've got to pitch your tent. This church or any other local church will never feel like home until you make a strong decision to put your roots down here. You say, I'm here. You know, students typically, you know, they go to university, then they go to find a church, and they're sort of looking around. And I found often with students, they, they don't settle. They sort of surf the churches for the first six months. And then it's because it's Christmas or whatever. Uh, And and year two comes around and they surf a few more churches. And they they can get very frustrated and very unsettled. So I like to say to students who arrive in our towns and cities at this sort of time of year, make a choice fast. Put some roots down 
and dare to live here as if you're here forever. Even if you only know you're going to be here for one year, two year, three year, probably, if you will have an attitude that says, I'm pitching my tent here. I'm going to call this my promised land. I'm going to live here to help you build. Then we get stuff done. But if we have a mentality and an attitude that's forever, I don't know whether I'll be here long enough. Well, will you come and serve? Well, I don't know whether I'll be around in six months. No, just take an attitude that says, I'm going to pitch my tent. I'm going to do it by faith. Verse 9 says, by faith, he made his home in the promised land and lived in tents. By faith... Will you make this church your home? Well, I don't know. I don't know the leaders well enough. I'm not sure about the mission. I don't know what they're going to do with that money they took last week. Uh, no, somewhere, unless you get to a place where you say, okay, I'm just going to trust God. By faith, make your home. And if this isn't the place to make it, find the place. Because fruitful Christianity demands immersing yourself in a vibrant local church community. And it's one where you'll be able to add your color and your flavor and all your homemaking skills. And you'll be happy, you'll be fruitful. It's a beautiful thing. So how do you make this house your home? First, you pitch your tent. You make that strong decision to live here. Secondly, you get connected with others who call this house home. So once you've taken the step of faith and said, I'm going to call this home, who else calls it home? And you start to get connected with them. You start to get involved. You familiarize yourself with the ethos of the house. You begin to work out what, hmm, well, what the King's Church believe about this? And what do they stand for? What's their culture? Uh, (coughs) You get to meet the rest of the family because you're calling it home. So you, you, you dip into what's on offer. You join a connect group, you maybe you know, join a team and start serving, but you, you get involved in connecting with the others who call this house home. So you make your choice, you pitch your tent, you deliberately start to connect. Thirdly, you actually get involved. You actually get involved. You know when you move into a new house, it's just a house, isn't it? Bare walls, no empty floors. It feels kind of a little bit cold and stark. Then you move in and you begin to decorate. And you put your furniture in it. And you put your mark on the house. And over a period of time, you make that house your home. Still the same house, but now it's your home because it's got your mark on it. I would suggest to you, once you've said, I'm here, pitch your tent... Start to get connected with others who believe the same. And then get involved. Do something. Put your mark on the house. Put your flavor in the mix. Bring your gifts and your abilities and your interests and your passions. Bring it to the house. And you increasingly feels like home because you're able to express your unique God-given skill set and personality in the house. Become a a functioning part of the house, is what I'm saying. You know, add your style. Every new person that joins a church potentially adds a new bit of style. That can be quite scary, actually. 
<laughs> um, but there's something about modern humanity which wants to conform. So we kind of enter a, a group like this and we think, right, what do most people do? And we tend to copy and conform. Well, don't be like that. Don't be a wallflower. Be beautiful. Be yourself. Talk to us about the, the, the things that are in your heart to do. So, you know, I've always had an interest in. I've always thought it'd be great if as a church we could do this. And share your ideas. Get involved. Serve what else is happening so that you begin to, it feels like home more to you because you're able to put your mark on it. Fourth thought is this. How do you make this church, this house your home? You start to contribute to the welfare of the house. I don't know how you run your houses, but I've got four kids. And as they, as they sort of, when they were little, they just raid your cupboards, trash your house, <clears throat> live off you like a leech. And then, you <laughs> but eventually you have to train them that, no, if you're going to live here, you contribute to the welfare of the house. Oh, right, what, what's that mean, Dad? What it means is you will empty the bins every day, you will clean the fridge, you will cut the grass, you will, you know, uh, and, and they get involved because if you're going to live here, if you're going to be part of this family, it's a shared event. You know, we're not being paid for having family, we're doing this together. <laughs> and that's kind of how it is. Um, contribute to the welfare of the house. You know, be a giver. It's easy to then jump to money, but no, be a giver. Come say, I'm, I'm going to contribute to the welfare of this house. Every time we gather on a Sunday, I'm going to bring my smile. I'm going to bring my faith. I'm going to bring my worship. I'm going to bring my willingness to pray for someone if I see a need. I'm just going to come to contribute to the welfare of this house that I've, I'm calling home. Serve with your time, your energy, and your skills. Bring your faith, your love, and your encouragement. Bring your money as well. Put God to the test. Learn that God honours those that will tithe and be generous and be willing to share. It's a journey, but contribute to the welfare of the house. Pray for the leaders. Pray for one another. Speak well of the house. You know, when it's your home, you get a bit of pride about it. And if somebody starts gossiping or trashing your home, you say, you don't talk about my home like that. Come on. This is my family you're talking about. See you later. You know. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a right sense of pride which should say, no, this is, this, is, this is my family. This is my tribe. These are my people. If there was a meeting in the stadium of all the Christians from Newport, from all the different churches, I'll tell you what you would do. The moment you walked into that stadium in that crowd of Christians is you'd be looking for your people. That's what we do. So you'd be, you'd be going, ooh, it's a big crowd. Ah, there's Dave and Faith. Yeah, my people. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's Alien No. Yeah, my people. You, because that's how we are. We're a family making this house into a home. So how do you make this house your home? You pitch your tent. You start to get connected to others who call this house home. You get practically involved and you contribute to its welfare. And nobody else can do that but you. The benefits of that are immeasurable. And it saddens me that sometimes Christians, they, 
They want to feel the good stuff, but are not willing to put those roots in like I'm describing. I'd urge you, have a conversation with Jesus about his best fit for you in terms of home. And if you're still unsure, take a step of faith. Put some roots down (coughs) and start to get involved. So that's our individual responsibility as we approach the house and make it home. Once you've done that, you then join our shared responsibility to make this house a home. To keep it homely, to be part of the the homemaking process. Because you see, if we don't all ensure that this house stays a home, it could slip and become a hotel. It could become just a place where nobody really feels at home. We all kind of just pass through. We come and we do church and we sort of do a bit of serving. No, this is meant to be a home. We don't want anyone ever to arrive and feel it's like a hotel where you don't belong. Nobody really lives there. It's got a little bit of a clinical edge. There's no actual warmth. It's a bit corporate in its feel. Most hotels are like that. Some try really hard to make it homely, but it never works because it isn't a home. But once you've decided, (coughs) this is my home, and together we're going to make it a home, then you'll ensure it stays like that. You've also got to ensure it doesn't become a private club. This is not an exclusive club for members only. And when people walk in, we don't want them to feel us and them. We want them to walk in and feel loved and drawn in and say, come on, have some of our food. Come on, no, no, it's okay, stick your feet up on the stool, it's all right. No, it's okay, you know, what do you want to watch on the telly? You know, that, that warmth, that hospitality, that feel, that only happens as we all become homemakers and have our eyes out for new people, have our eyes out for those who are maybe uncertain about how to engage with us. We've all got to become good at homemaking, is basically what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> now, when you do buy a new flat or a house or move into a new place, it takes it a little while for it to feel like home, doesn't it? Eventually, you kind of put your mark on it, your personality on it, you get your stuff in it, and it begins to feel a little bit more like home. It, it reflects your family, your values, your style. But what I've realized is this. I've lived in the same house I'm in now for over 20 years. And we're forever tweaking it. We're forever messing with it. Because you mess with your home depending on the season of life you're in. And as a church, you will mess with this home according to the season of life you're in. So you'll go through seasons where you think, oh, we need to attend to the creche. And picked up, you mentioned you're going to use some of the money for creche. You'll think, oh, we need to sort out the youth area. Hmm, yeah. Now we need to put some investment into the, the elderly. Or we need to put some investment into. And you, you keep tweaking home. It's a process. We don't just kind of get it set up once and leave it. You know, I used to have a nice garden. I first bought the house with a nice garden. But kids and a dog trash your garden. Now I love gardens. But eventually, though, the kids grew and left home, and the dog died. 
Now we missed the dog, so we got another one. It has to be said. So for a while I had my garden back, but then we got another dog and grandchildren. <laughs> I love my grandkids. I've got nine. And I'm more liberal with the grandchildren than I was with the children. I kind of encouraged them to trash it. Whereas with my own children, I told them off for trashing it. We have a different set of values for grandkids, don't we? All the grandparents in the house. It's, it's the most blessed thing we do on the earth is <laughs> love our grandkids. And what I've realized is my, my house has gone, it goes through these seasons. The, the room that I use as an office now used to be one of my kids' bedrooms. And it became a nursery for one of our grandkids that lived with us for a while. Now it's back to an office. Rooms change. And you will change as a church. You go through seasons, through emphasis, as God takes you on a journey. But he just wants you to stay part of the journey. And have your, your, your awareness to what the current season is. And why we're investing in this ministry, or this aspect of what we do. Or why we're putting our money into this. And all own it, and all go forward together, ensuring that the house remains a home. So I'm appealing to you collectively to please be a homemaker with us. Be a homemaker. What's involved in homemaking? Four quick things. Homemaking involves feeding. Good homemakers feed people well. I mean, the only reason you go to some people's homes, if you're honest. <laughs> Hello, they're all in the room, see? <laughs> it's because you love their food. You know that they're generous. You know there's always a seat at the table. You know there's always plenty in the cupboard. So uh, homemaking involves feeding. A good homemaker, you know, feeds the family a balanced diet, plans meals, buys and prepares, and all that. Okay, well, let's move it into church world. Let's talk spiritual food for a minute. We, we need good homemaking. Spiritual homemaking means having a good balanced diet of spiritual food. And that's where most people switch off. They go, oh, well, that's the pastor's job. Let's make sure that the pastor gets some good, good preachers in and some good teachers, put some good courses on. Oh, the connect group leaders, that's their job. No, in a natural family, everybody as they mature becomes part of the feeding process. We take it in turns to make dinner. We all know how to work the oven. We all know how to at least order a takeaway, if nothing else. We all, we're all part of the feeding process. And, and in the church context, that's truer than ever. We're supposed to feed each other. From what Jesus is teaching you, you share that with others and it becomes spiritual food to them. Your encouragement is spiritual food. Jesus said man doesn't live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I can bump into you in Tesco's in the middle of the week, and you can share something with me, and it's spiritual food to me. Ooh, and I went for physical food, and I came out with spiritual food. What's that all about? It's part of being the family of God and building the house of God. You know, the parents typically in a natural family have most power. <clears throat> so they tend to control the budget and they sort of control the overarching decisions that are made. And to some extent, it's like that in church. You have a, a leadership team, spiritual godly men and women who are making choices about some of those big things that will get put on the menu. But the whole point of them putting things on the menu is for you to learn, to feed yourself, to feed one another and to work together as a family to make sure there's 
broad, balanced spiritual diet. Be part of that process. Once you've made this house your home, you're, going to be, you're part of our homemaking team now. And it's your responsibility, not just the leader's responsibility, to make sure that anybody who enters can have a snack, can actually have a meal if they need it. And you could provide it. You may, what you read in the Bible yesterday might be somebody's main meal today. It may be just the word from God they, may, they need. You may be able to chat to them about how your breakthrough took you on in life and they get inspired to believe for their breakthrough. Your story, your word, your willingness to pray, spiritually nurture one another through the word, prayer, encouragement, and so on. Homemaking involves feeding, and we're all in it. Second thing that homemaking involves is caring. The best families have a strong care ethic. It's not like, oh, the mum and dad care, but nobody else cares in this house. That's not a healthy family. But some families, you walk into the heart of them and you feel everybody cares. The kids have learned to care like the parents care. And there's this helpfulness. As I, I stay quite regularly with a friend of mine and uh, when I'm doing some ministry in their church. And he has four daughters. And what blesses me is the way his daughters care for us when we're there. It's like they're all parents. It's like they've just instinctively picked up this, well, when you're in this house, we serve you. We want things to be nice. You know, can I make you a cup of tea, Steve? Yeah, do you want a piece of toast? Oh, we're doing this. Do you want a bit of this? And you just get this feel the whole, it's not just mum and dad who are caring for us as guests. The whole family's caring for me. And that's how it's to be in the church of God, isn't it? When new people come, they've not got to feel, oh, well, um, who cares for us here? Oh, yeah, well, there's a connect group leader there. They'll care for you. No, they have to feel every single person, from the person on the door, the person that serves them coffee, the person that looks after the kids in creche, everything that comes off the platform, everybody, the stranger they sit next to, you, in fact, actually care about them and their journey and are interested in serving them as part of the heart of this house. So homemaking involves caring. <clears throat> I mean, caring typically in churches operates at two levels. There's kind of the organized stuff. It's good to have organized care. It's good to have points we can you know, send people to. Sometimes we, we're confronted with people who have needs that we, we feel ill-equipped to meet or we're not competent to actually speak into. And we need to be able to divert them and direct them to more mature Christians or to specialist help. But most people can be helped by you. Most people can be loved by you, cared for you, feel affirmed, feel accepted by you as part of that process. So I encourage you, as one of our homemakers, get involved in feeding, get involved in caring. Third thing homemaking involves is playing. Good families have fun. Just like some people go to some people's houses just for the food, I think people also go to some people's houses for the fun. They're just good people to be around. They just energize you. You know you're going to have a laugh. You know there's banter. You know it's safe. It's, it's a beautiful thing to have fun together. You know, playing with your children, recreation, sport, some good healthy competition and healthy banter. It, it just 
does your soul good, doesn't it? <coughs> I think church is like that, should be like that. Church should be the place where we can have lots of fun that's legal. <laughs> we can have lots of fun, we can have some honest you know, interaction, but we, we don't want to be too serious, too heavy, too sober. No, yeah, all those things are appropriate at times, but at core level, life's for living. Life's to be enjoyed. We need to find out what does your soul good and do some of it. And take some of your church friends with you and do it. If it's knocking a little ball around an 18-hole course, then do it. If you've got the time and the money to do it. If it's fishing, go fish. You know, if it's reading, if it's walking the hills, go do it. Find people in the church to do it with. Have some fun. You know, if you've got a passion about certain, you know, weird sports like American football and stuff, find some other weird people and, and watch it with them. You know, if you like more normal things like football and cricket and rugby, then go with the normal people. Just, <laughs> you kind of find your fun. It's one of the sadnesses to me that these days, people stay a bit childish in their attitude to life. You know, when you're a kid, children expect their parents to make life fun for them. So they quickly say, I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored. Can we go to so-and-so? Can we go to McDonald's? Can we go to the park? Can we, can we, can we? And they want the parent to make life fun for them. And the journey of life teaches you, you can't live like that. It's not our job to make your life fun. You have to be the fun. It's an inside-out job is fun. You have to get happy. You have to bring your interests. If you will be the fun and bring the fun, and we all bring it, this is going to be a happy house. Yeah, there'll be tears, there'll be grief, there'll be issues, there'll be stuff we walk through, but there'll always be enough reality to be able to smile at ourselves, laugh at ourselves, do our souls good together. It's the heart of a healthy home, is playing together and having some fun. So I'd encourage you, let this be a church that's incredible fun to be in. Feeding, caring, playing, lastly... Homemaking involves sharing. Sharing. Four kids. Sometimes they shared their things. <laughs> Sometimes they knocked seven bells out of each other because they stole each other's things. They didn't perceive it to be sharing. One sibling said, no, I thought you were just sharing it with me. Uh, you know how it goes, family life. We don't want... <laughs> That kind of possessiveness in church. No, this is my ministry. Or this is, this, is, this is my team. Or this is my connect group. No, everything about Jesus was shared. He shared his very life. He shared, he shared heaven with us. He's, he shared his freedom, his righteousness, his love and his goodness with us. He shared it freely. And as we have been generously given by the sharing of heaven, we have to have the same heart to others that says, hey, come on. Come and share some of the good things the Lord has done for me. Come and share some of our happiness. Come and share in the journey with us. Healthy families tend to share their resources with each other and with guests. They have kind of a, an open home attitude, which is kind of what a church has got to be. Yeah, we're a home but we're a very open home. 
open for all who walk in here, who befriend us, who come through the doors. We want them to instantly feel that we're willing to share with them of the good things that God has done for us. We like to entertain, don't we? No, not, not, not everybody in, in real life <clears throat> is a natural entertainer. You know, some people are nervous about opening the homes. Some have to learn to be hospitable. Some find it very difficult to have strangers come into their private spheres. You know, we don't want them in the house. You know, they're dirty. We don't want them in the house. They've got children. They'll trash my stuff. And sadly, we live in a day and age where lots of people live in their little private bubble and there's very little sharing goes on. That's not God's heart. That's not a model of family that the Bible talks about. I think the family the Bible talks about is a big extended family with wide open heart and wide open doors that says, come on, have some of our food. We'll love on you. Come and have some fun with us. Let's share some of our stuff. And people quickly get a sense of, hmm, I could make this house home too because of the heart we all have. We say, don't we, home is where the heart is. It's a place you, you love to be. We say things like, there's no place like home. You all think of the movie. Well, I hope you can say that of a spiritual community. I hope there's a group of people that you think of. For many of you here today, it's going to be this church. It's going to be Kings Newport. That's my home. Home is where my heart is. No place like home. Yeah, there's lots of other great churches on the planet. But hey, when I walk in here and I eyeball these people, it's like, yes, home. Because by faith, you've chosen to put your tent pegs down and say, this is home. I'm in. I'm involved. I'm going to get connected. I'm going to contribute. This is home. And part of your responsibility as someone who has made this house your home is then to say, Right, together, we're a team of homemakers. Let's keep the culture right. Let's keep the welcome open. Let's keep the fun where it needs to be. Let's be caring, sharing, so that everybody who's entered these doors can go on the same journey that you went on. Let it be said of us that, like Abraham, by faith, we made our home here. And the faith that you have is contagious. And others will be, will be drawn to by faith make their home here. And they'll pitch the tent. They'll become part of this awesome community. Which is destined to be just one part of a city. An eternal city. We, we have a destination. We're all on our way to that heavenly Jerusalem, to the new Jerusalem, to that city whose architect and builder is God that Abraham got a glimpse of. We're all on our way there. Thank God for that. Because there's so much wrong about this world. There's so much, there's so, everything's so temporary about this world. We're on our way through. And on the way through, let's build church in a way which is a little bit of heaven on earth where it's not just a house, it's a home. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together.
Just bow our heads a moment. I just want to pray for people in here who are a little bit unsettled. Maybe you're unsettled as a part of this family, unsettled because you don't have a family. I want to pray that God will guide you and help you find a place of deep-rootedness, the joy, security, and love of having a place to call home, spiritually speaking. So if, if you are unsettled, if that's you, just put your hand on your heart. You're giving a signal to God while I pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that every single one of your kids who feels a little bit out of place, not quite at home, please will you by your Holy Spirit lead them to a place they can truly call home, can pitch their tent, can find connections, get involved and become part of a a loving, sharing spiritual family. Please do that for them, we ask. Give them wisdom to make good choices, but ultimately to, by faith, make somewhere their home. Lord, for the rest of us, we just thank you for having somewhere to call home. Thank you that you've placed it on this earth, saved us, and as we pass through this world, we ask you to give us the skill and wisdom to make this home a little bit of heaven on earth. Let it be an outreach station from heaven. Let it be a blessing to everyone who enters our environment so that we can take many more people as this family grows to our eternal home in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. What a wonderful, wonderful word that we received this morning from Steve. And do you know what? Steve can deliver a word like that because he's been planted in a home for over 30 years, passionate for the local church, passionate for his home church in Bradford. And, you know, all of us, Steve, that was an incredible word. It really, really was rich, full of wisdom. And I think this There's things that every single one of us today can take from that because, you know, we've all got ideas of what home is. And, you know, some of our backgrounds, we may have come from a broken home. We may have come from, you know, an abusive home and our experience of home. And when we, when we even just hear that term home, it may even represent a nightmare to you. But, you know, and and sadly, sometimes, you know, church can be a broken place. Church can be a fractured place, a place that even where, where you feel damaged and mishandled, possibly by leaders and, and by people in church. Even church as a home to you, it may conjure up thoughts from the past where where you were where you were hurt. But, you know, that word that Steve spoke this morning it was so gentle, lovingly delivered, and um, challenging, but, but delivered with grace. And I really believe, you know, as, as he's come and he sowed that word into our hearts this morning, I believe that it's a timely word.
It really is a timely word. Whatever, whatever place we're coming from this morning, whether, we, whether we're thriving in the house, whether we're excited about home, or whether we feel, do you know what? I'm just not at a place at the moment where I can call anywhere my home because I feel damaged, I feel broken, I feel just a little bit insecure in relation to the surroundings that I'm in and even the people that are around me. Do you know what? God knows. God knows. And he loves us and he cares for us. And like Steve said today, Steve, fantastic. Take that step of faith. Take that step of faith. Your feelings may be holding you back. Your feelings may be, may be pulling your, your mind back to all of those places where, where, where memories are so real. But take that step of faith today. Maybe take a moment after this service and say, Lord, I want to call. If it's this place, we'd love to have you in this home. I want to call this place my home. Make that step of faith. Or if this is just a, a day today that you're passing through and you're going to, be, you, you're going to find another, another place for your home, we pray that you know, your involvement in a home, it's God's plan for you. It really is. It really is. But today, you know, as we close this service, you might, Steve's talked a lot about being a part of a home, but today you might be homeless, homeless in a spiritual sense. You may never have asked Jesus into your heart. You may never have prayed a prayer. Right now, I want to give you an opportunity just before we sing to ask Jesus Christ to be your savior. You might think, what do I do? Well, listen, you just put your faith and your trust in him. I'm going to help you right now just to pray a prayer, inviting Jesus into your life. You say, Dave, is it that easy? It's that easy. It really is. And he'll come in to your heart and he'll make his home firstly in your heart. And then you'll be part of this home, this house. He'll welcome you into. Let's close our eyes for a moment. You may never have asked Jesus into your heart. Right now is a moment where you, I want to help you do that. Where you can pray a prayer with me. Just a simple prayer. Say this with me quietly today in your heart. Say, Jesus... I ask you to make my heart your home. I ask you to forgive me my sin. I ask you to be my savior. I embrace you. I open the door of my heart through this simple prayer please make my life now your home amen now while eyes are closed if you prayed that prayer I want to give you a moment right now just to quickly lift up your hand we'll see your hand and we'll give you just a little bible we'd love for you to have a bible just a gift from us there's a hand there we're just going to take a moment 
just one moment here now. You're asking Jesus. You've prayed a prayer. You've asked him into your heart. Lift your hand up. A lady there. Well done, my love. It takes courage. But you know what? We've all done it. I was in a tent in a field when I was 15 years of age. Prayed a prayer like you today. And your life is never going to be the same. Well done. It takes courage to do that. It really does. Is there anybody else? You prayed a prayer today. This is the greatest day of your life where Jesus actually now resides in your heart and makes your life his home. His home. Amen. Father, I thank you for your people. Thank you for the lives that you brought into this place. We thank you, Lord, that this is our home. This is a place that we call home. And we thank you today where others have reached out to you for the first time maybe to invite you into their heart. Now, Lord, forevermore, they will know you as Savior, Prince of Peace, and Lord of their heart, of their home. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.